0: Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artisan food makers, farmers, authors, and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious.
1: A very good Sunday to you, food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. This is your culinary and lifestyle show where I'm delivering deliciousness every weekend. So mark your calendar and be sure to tune in. This is where the most passionate food and wine lovers live on Sundays. And you'll hear everything from food and wine to mixology and more, health, wellness, a bit of tech. Serious travel, and of course, from the greatest culinary thinkers on the planet. So be sure to tune in. And if you happen to have missed a show, don't worry. Our podcasts are posted on iTunes, and you can find a direct link at chefjamie.com where you'll find an arsenal of recipes to fill every day with fabulous flavor. Food enthusiasts, you too can rejoice and celebrate my daily dish on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. So please become a fan and a friend. All right, rev up your crock pots because it is officially time for hearty fall meals. Slow cookers are most commonly used for soups and stews and hearty casseroles, right? But it can also be the perfect vehicle for a hot breakfast, like overnight oatmeal, or a sweetly satisfying dessert, like the best apple cobbler ever. A small investment of time in the morning or today on a Sunday, peeling the onions, chopping the carrots, browning off the meat, it always pays off in the evening when you come home to that tender, hearty, delicious meal that's ready to eat. right? Well, chilly autumn days, I know they're coming, call for warm comfort food. So I suggest you fill your slow cooker with your favorite fall ingredients just to bring the cooler weather on. And you can make hearty dinners like I make a pumpkin chili or I love to put up pulled pork, simple sides with sweet potatoes and squash, stuffed apples, poached pears, so many Endless opportunities. If you love your slow cooker or maybe your rice cooker does it all. I happen to love appliances. I don't think that they really are given their fair due. And I don't think we work our appliances enough. So even if you have a pressure cooker, uh, which really does work well in many instances, um, then I have news for you. These are my best chef's tips for creating fabulous fall meals that are effortless. There are a few simple rules to create rich, satisfying, slow cooked meals. And you just have to follow these tips. You'll get easy, flavorful, delicious dishes all year long, especially fall and winter. So first and foremost, you want to choose the right cut. Because short ribs and pork shoulders and lamb shanks, like the fatty, tougher meats, They become meltingly tender with the moist, low heat of a slow cooker. Leaner cuts like pork tenderloin tend to dry out. Likewise, remember dark meat, the thighs, the drumsticks, they do remain juicier than white meat breasts. Although stay tuned because before the end of the hour, I am sharing with you a chicken breast recipe in your slow cooker that comes alive with flavor. So it too is very doable. Now, when it comes to working your slow cooker the best way, you want to keep the lid closed because each peak that you take during the cooking process actually amounts to an additional 15 or so minutes of cooking time. So uh, curb the urge to peak and curb the urge to stir. It's usually not necessary and it really does slow down the cooking process. Now you do want to care for your slow cooker. It has a ceramic insert if you're using the traditional crock pot and you don't want to place it from the heat source, which where it nestles into its base, onto the cold counter. You always want to put it down on a dish towel because there are almost invisible cracks that you might not see that actually can make for temperature shifts. So if you're using a slow cooker or crock pot, for a long time and you're finding it's not cooking as well or right, then you might consider investing in a new one. Um, The same thing, by the way, goes for that hot slow cooker insert, the pot, being stowed overnight in the fridge. I recommend that you transfer it to a container once the food is cool. Um, But if you insist upon putting it in the fridge directly, please let it come to room temperature before you chill. Now, browning boosts flavor. But you knew that because that's all about caramelization. And we talk about that a lot on this show. You can certainly pile food into the slow cooker and you'll get tasty results. But when you take a couple of minutes to brown the meat and throw in the vegetables so that the onion or the garlic cloves saute just a bit, you are always rewarded with that additional layer of depth and caramelized Flavor. And by the way, this is doubly true with ground meat. So if you're making your signature football chili in your slow cooker, brown the meat first because that chili will come alive. If you want uh, a thicker sauce, if you're making uh, some sort of stew, then you can always dredge the meat in flour, shake off any excess, and then brown it. And you'll get a nice viscous thickness to the finished sauce. Now I say always avoid overcrowding. You never want to fill your slow cooker more than two thirds full. So the the big roasts and the whole chickens, as long as the lid fits tightly on top, that's fine. But you want to use the larger slow cooker or the larger crock uh, when possible. And then I like to skim the fat. If you want a silky sauce or a lovely gravy, take that extra minute and skim off the fat from the top of the cooker. Uh, It will definitely keep you from risking ending up with oily, greasy cooking liquid. And when it comes to cooking chicken, I always recommend that you take the skin off as well. Then when it comes to the heat level... A general rule of thumb is that cooking on the low setting, which is 170 degrees for most models, takes about twice as long as cooking on high, which is 280 degrees. Now, keep in mind, some cuts of meat and some recipes are better suited to one setting over the other. So you want to follow the directions on a recipe. But if you're opting for a quick cook in a slow cooker, I know, it doesn't really make sense, Um, I will say I do opt for the high heat or the high setting on your slow cooker. And then when it comes to dairy, you always want to add it last because sour cream or yogurt tend to break down in the slow cooker. Um, And if left too long, they will actually break or curdle. So, stir them in during the last, say, 15 minutes of cooking. Now here's a a controversial mention really, but my personal gastronomic opinion, I do not use frozen food in my slow cooker. I believe that loading a slow cooker with icy ingredients keeps food in the danger zone too long and bacteria can flourish. So uh, I'm okay with vegetables, although, you know, fresh is always more fabulous. Um, The exception to the rule, though, when it comes to meat, is the pre-packaged slow cooker meat that you might buy in the freezer case because it's a brand you know and it's made all natural and a sauce that you crave. That's fine as long as you follow the package directions. But try to refrain from frozen meat going directly into the slow cooker It's just the safer way to go. And then uh, to end on a fresh note, a sprinkle of fresh herbs, a squeeze of lemon at the end of your slow cooker recipe always brightens the flavor and it tends to cut through the richness of those long cooked recipes. And then there are other finishing touches I like to suggest like hot sauce or uh, freshly grated citrus zest, sometimes grated Parmesan on a red sauce, good quality olive oil in a drizzle, all work really nicely. And then, last but not least, I will say, use your slow cooker. Adapt a recipe. Find something that is craveable and delicious to you and try it out because there is something really beautiful about a ready-made meal when you come home starving. I do have slow cooker inspiration posted at chefjamie, dot com, And you can, of course, always email me directly. jamie at chefjamie.com will get you to me. Okay, it's time for food news this week. Oh, I have two very important pieces of news that you can use. Firstly, the James Beard Foundation is on tour with their Taste America events across the country. Starting Friday, October 6th, the festivities are in Los Angeles. It all starts with a benefit dinner at Viviana. It's a fine restaurant. Uh, and then there are two demos throughout the weekend with Barbara Lynch and Chef Michael Simarusti. So check it out. Then they're off to Philadelphia, Seattle, Chicago, San Fran, Austin, Boston, and Kansas City. So if you are fabulous food lover in any of those cities, then you'll want to check it out and learn more. It is for the food obsessed, no doubt, at jamesbeard.org for more info. And this is really good food news. Cadbury coated Oreos have arrived. Woohoo! When Oreo and Cadbury come together, I think I just gave away my tremendous sweet tooth, uh, you know it's going to be something amazing, right? So as the name suggests, Oreos are cloaked in smooth Cadbury chocolate. I happen to be a Cadbury lover and I will follow you anywhere for a flake bar. I have not gotten my hands on these Cadbury coated Oreos yet, Uh, Because there's a small problem. The sources uh, that I, um, I know from have reported that these delectable bites are only available in Australia and I haven't splurged for the ticket yet. But I am staying very positive because I know they will eventually make their way over to us. So please look for them and do let me know if you see Cadbury coated Oreos because I will be right there. And of course, don't touch your dial because coming up... We are sharing delicious conversation in your radio, the beauty of sweet potatoes. Oh yes, one of my favorites, in fact. Mary Frances Heck is here to dish. Also, just after uh, blogger Tegan Gerard, you know her, Half Baked Harvest. Yes, she was Savour's best blogger of the year a year back, and she's only 24 years old with her first cookbook release, She'll Wax Poetic. And Lisa Lynn, our resident fitness guru, is stopping by to challenge you to a posture challenge. That made you sit up straight, didn't it? (laughs) There is a full hour of conversation to feed your soul. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, and we'll be right back. It's delicious, it's divine, it's food and wine. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen, in your radio. So sweet potatoes, they're the new it vegetable, and that delights me because they're delicious and they have nutritional powerhouse qualities and they are endlessly adaptable. So today we are exploring their many virtues and the wonderful ways that you can get creative with the superfood tuber. Mary Frances Heck is an accomplished food journalist and the former test kitchen director of Bon Appetit, and her first cookbook was just published, entitled Sweet Potatoes, Roasted, Fried, and Made into Pie. Mary Frances is here to dish, and I'm glad to have you. Hi, Mary Frances. Hello. <laughs> okay, let's start with a sweet potato primer, please. The health benefits first, if you don't mind.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, sweet potatoes have it all. Um, I love sweet potatoes because they are um, a superfood, and um, they're super high in fiber. They're uh, great for folks who are on diets where they're supposed to sort of limit the amount of sugar they're consuming, despite the fact that they're sweet. Um, They're metabolized uh, well by diabetics and, you know, folks with uh, issues with cholesterol or anything else like that, Um, and they're absolutely packed with vitamins. So um, tons of beta-carotene, the purple ones have anthocyanins, which is that, that uh, compound you're supposed to get from blueberries. Right. Um, And, uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I eat one every day. Um, And the thing that I really love about sweet potatoes, as they relate to being a superfood, is that they're affordable. There are so many uh, foods that we've heard of, um, wild berries and otherwise, that are, I I think, you know, they're they're expensive and they're tough to incorporate into your diet every day. Uh, But sweet potatoes, you'd be hard-pressed to pay more than a couple dollars a pound for them. And and
1: with that, they become accessible. They certainly do. I agree with you. And botanically, I think it's important to note, as you do in the book, because I do love the primer, uh, mm. they are very different from a traditional russet.
2: That's right. So um, botanically speaking, they are actually uh, more, more accurately considered a root vegetable than a tuber. And that's an important distinction because... Um, a tuber is going to be prone to holding simple starch. So uh, if you eat a, a rusted potato, for example, which are delicious, you know, there's, there's lots of uh, space for that in, um, in cooking, but they are metabolized uh, as sort of a simple sugar at the end of the day. And a uh, sweet potato has got uh, complex carbohydrates, it's got fiber and lots of vitamins. And so it's more like a, a root vegetable. Think of it more as in the family of, like, carrots than in the family of potatoes.
1: Right. So I love a parsnip mm. almost more than anything. And I do think of sweet potatoes with parsnips. Like when I roast root vegetables, I roast sweet potatoes with the root vegetables. So that makes perfect sense to me. And then there is this ongoing conversation, the Romeo and Juliet of the sweet potato versus the yam,
2: right? <laughs> I'm glad you brought this up. Um, yeah, it's a really funny thing. So uh, it's, it's sort of a misnomer and... Um, you know, you and I, when we think of yams, like at Thanksgiving, we're really thinking of sweet potatoes. And it's due to a a sort of a marketing scheme. In the early 20th century, uh, there were some sweet potato growers who wanted to differentiate their sweet potatoes from everybody else's. Mm -hmm. And so they started referring to them as yams. And um, I'm not really sure why, but it stuck. And so technically accurate in american nomenclature to call the sweet potato a yam but a yam is really a very different vegetable it's uh you know dark brown on the outside it's got a bumpy thick skin and it's a very starchy um tuber it, you know it also grows underground but it's much it's much different than a sweet potato it's not really sweet at all
1: I love that smoky, spicy counterpart to sweet potatoes that I noticed you do as well. Share with us, okay, a couple flavor combinations that go well with sweet potatoes. You have this great complimentary list that I really liked so that you could pair um, spices, condiments, herbs, dairy, uh, fruit to sweet potatoes. Absolutely. You
2: know, sweet potatoes, um, I think most people think of sort of cinnamon and sugar or, uh, you know, butter and maple syrup. And, and those are wonderful flavor combinations, but they lean sweet. And through the exploration of uh, recipe development for this book, I found that um, certainly smoky spice, particularly like a chipotle pepper or smoked paprika, yes. is one of the best savory combinations you can make with a sweet potato. Um, but from there, the sky's the limit. I mean, sweet potatoes can be mashed and folded into baked goods, in which case they're going to pair with a whole world of fruit and nuts even chocolate. Um, And then, you know, on the on the flip side, if you want to enrich them uh, with with dairy, um, they're wonderful with, you know, salted salted butter and uh, or Old Bay, um, you know, sort of sky's the limit with with flavor combinations. Yeah,
1: you inspired me. I saw goat cheese, blue cheese, and I started fantasizing about a sweet potato gratin. Oh, yeah, that was just all chock full of cheese. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you're welcome over any time if I can come to your house and eat. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and speaking of that, seeing that we're um, getting hungry, it's time mm-hmm. to eat. So let's talk about some of the recipes. Okay. Because they are really inspiring. So um, I can't think of anything better or more perfect for football than buffalo sweet potatoes.
2: Oh, yes. This is one of my absolute favorites. So it's, it's simple. And, and it, you know, it comes together in a snap as well. You basically... Um, cut up your sweet potatoes and roast them just as you would for a side dish. But then you toss them in a homemade buffalo sauce, which is a a simple thing to pull together, and top it with some crumbled blue cheese and sliced celery. And this is one that I really like to serve when I've got like a mixed crowd coming over for a football game. Some people don't like to eat meat, whether they're vegetarians or they just don't want to eat a lot of meat anymore. I think that's pretty common. And so it's really fun to offer bold, spicy flavors, but a little bit lighter. And I found that this is one of the most popular things uh, at at fall parties
1: that I can serve. I love the way you cook. Congratulations to you. The book is really fun and filled with passion. There are 60 bold flavored recipes in Mary Frances Heck's new cookbook on sweet potatoes that will inspire you to eat sweet potatoes every day, far beyond just Thanksgiving dishes. Um, And I'm grateful that you were here and I will be cooking from the book, Mary Frances. So I do hope you'll come back and share new recipes uh, as you develop them.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's oh, been a pleasure. It's
1: my pleasure. Thank you. You'll find more delicious inspiration at Mary Frances Heck. It's F-R-A-N-C-E-S-H-E-C-K dot com. And of course, you can get social with Mary Frances on Instagram at Mary Frances Heck. The new book release called Sweet Potatoes, Roasted, Loaded, Fried, and Made into Pie. There is lots more delicious conversation in your radio right after this, so you wouldn't dare touch your dial now, would you? Sharing the table with you every Sunday, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. There is a fantastic, inspiring, and beautiful cookbook just released that might just become your new favorite manuscript for culinary creativity. Whether you need to get dinner on the table for your family or you're planning your next to get together with friends, Half Baked Harvest has your new favorite recipe. I have long been smitten with Tegan Gerard. Well, as long as at her mere 24 years of talent, I will say um, she is a big name in the food world. She grew up in the Colorado mountains as one of seven children. She started cooking at age 15, which led her to a career in food. And at 19 launched her blog, Half-Baked Harvest. Since then, tens of millions of people have fallen in love with Tegan and her fresh take on comfort food, her absolutely stunning photography, and her very charming life in the mountains. Her blog received high praise in 2016, winning Savor Magazines and Better Homes and Gardens annual blog awards. And the Half-Baked Harvest cookbook is a feast for your eyes and for your palate, and I am delighted that Tegan Gerard is here to dish. Congratulations, Tegan. How are you? thank you I'm great. How are you I'm well too. Thank you. You must be very excited to see it all in in actual print yes
3: i'm so excited it's It's an incredible feeling
1: I could imagine um, and and I know that feeling of holding the book when it first arrived when it first arrives um, okay
3: yes. Tell us
1: about a typical day in mountain life. I think everyone's enamored with this you know, brilliant. I cook all day and develop recipes through passionate inspiration life of yours.
3: Yeah. Um, it's, you know, I do, I do a lot of cooking. I also do, I, so I cook and photograph for the blog, um, pretty much five days a week. Um, so I'm kind of up on my feet all the time, or if I'm not up on my feet, I'm up, uh, responding to emails and answering, uh, reader comments and things like that. So Hmm. it's kind of a 24 seven job, but, um, like you mentioned, I'm just, I'm so passionate about it and I love it. And um, I wouldn't be doing anything else. I feel very grateful to be doing what I love.
1: Oh, it definitely shines through. Can we talk food photography just for a minute before we get into recipes? Your photos are to me like gorgeous still lifes. And if you would share your best tips, because we all aspire to great food photography.
3: Yeah. Well, first, thank you. Um, you know, I think that my best tip really is to, to work at it, the way mm-hmm. that I, you know, I've never really taken a photography class. Um, uh, four and a half, five years ago, I had never, I didn't even know what a DSLR camera was. Right. Um, so I was a complete beginner, newbie. I stole my brother's camera, um, and I just did a lot of Googling. And I think what really helped me grow my photography was practicing it every day, taking photos every single day. Um, looking at photos that I loved and seeing what I loved about those photos, and then, you know, taking elements and putting that into my photos and making them my own and developing my own style. So really working on it every day and developing your style and finding out what you love is going to really help grow your photos
1: I, and I think that does shine through. Like I know when i food when I shoot rather my food, I like a very close up photo. Like I want to be right in you know, in, in the midst of it. And you do, you do create your own style in that, but your play on light and balance, I think is what has attracted so many to what is so luscious on that, you know, media platform, whatever it is that we're reading. And it screams Tegan Gerard, I mean, it really comes through that that these photos and this food is yours from the heart. Okay, so let's cook. Can we have breakfast
3: together, Tegan? Yes, breakfast is my favorite.
1: <laughs> I know, I know that about you. Can we make maple roasted pumpkin spice granola because fall is here?
3: Yes, and I'm so excited about it. <laughs> I know,
1: me too. So um, I make batches of granola like you do as well, and I love it for the same reason as you do. You use it multi-purpose.
3: Yeah, um, I love granola. I love it for. You know, it's obviously great for breakfast, but it's also great to have mid-afternoon as, like, a snack to get you through the rest of the day or just if you need something a little bit sweet to grab a handful of. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really a great recipe to just have on hand, have it made. It lasts for so long, like, in the pantry. It'll just keep, you know. Um, So I love making it on Sundays. It makes the house smell amazing. Mm. And then you kind of have it for the week as snacks, whether it's breakfast or just a snack, you know, throughout the
1: day. One of the things that sets your granola apart is that you have cooked quinoa in the mix Mm -hmm. that then gets toasted. And from a textural standpoint, that has to be outrageous.
3: Yeah, I'm a big, I love playing textures up. I love, you know, having different textures throughout food. Um, And I did the quinoa, one, for health reasons. It's very high in protein and things like that. Um, But I also did it because I do love the texture and I love quinoa. And I think it's really nice with the oats Mm -hmm. and when it gets toasted, you get it. It's like almost like a crunchy cereal. Yes. It's really
1: delicious. Yeah, no, it sounds so good. She is the blogger extraordinaire and food photographer everyone aspires to. Tegan Gerard is here, and we're dishing on Half Baked Harvest. More right after the break. Look like a chef, bake like a pro. You'll learn it all here. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio as the culinary conversation continues. Blogger Tegan Gerard and now cookbook author is here, and we are dishing on Half Baked Harvest. Um, can we talk bacon butter next, please? Bacon
3: butter, yes. <laughs> okay. I mean, is there anything better? <laughs> no, No. can we put
1: bacon butter on on everything, including your... I know. Uh, yeah, just spread it on. Apple ricotta pancakes with bacon butter.
3: I know. I'm actually making them um, today, actually, and they are so delicious. The, the bacon butter makes them, though. You've got to put them with the bacon butter. It's such a, it's such a great pairing with the sweet apples. Um, you wouldn't maybe expect that, but the saltiness of the bacon really pairs well with the sweetness of the apples. And it's a very like fall. it's just cozy. It's, it's really good.
1: It is cozy. It has three simple ingredients, your bacon butter, right? You cook bacon until mm-hmm. crispy, you blend it into unsalted butter, you add a tablespoon of honey, and you have this spreadable, unctuous deliciousness.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, it's really deliciousness.
1: Yeah, I, I can't imagine that it could be bad. Um, I, <laughs> I would like to tell you that I have never pan-fried feta. So if we could move on to a snack, could you teach us how?
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's a lot much better as an appetizer or a snack than pan-fried feta. Um, basically, it's really easy and people are always confused. Like, oh, you can, you can fry cheese. But feta is a hard cheese and it doesn't necessarily... Get very melty like a mozzarella would. So I, I like to um, dip it in a little bit, almost like you're going to make a chicken parmesan, but you're using feta. And it goes through, you know, some beaten eggs to, as like a wet coating, and mm-hmm. then through um, some breadcrumbs. And you toast. Then you put the whole block of feta in a skillet with just a little bit of olive oil. We're not deep frying it or anything, and you crisp it on both sides. And it's it's like warm and. Um breadcrumbs get really golden and crunchy and toasty and it's just, it's crumbled and you can serve it with um, crackers. I have it with oh, nice. salty olives, which are really delicious. Um, but I mean, you can really just go to town with it
1: with yeah. a fork. It's, it's pretty good. <laughs> I love that idea and I can't wait to make it. And then following fried feta, uh, a little no guilt fettuccine Alfredo would seem in order. And I was <laughs> I was <laughs> delighted and uh, and inspired to see you add hummus to your Alfredo
3: sauce in this recipe. That's kind of the secret um, to I was you know I don't know one day I had a bunch of leftover hummus in my fridge and I'm the queen of just taking leftovers and throwing them all together and hoping for the best that, that whatever that recipe is turns out. Mm. Um, but I had you know big pasta fans in my house and. So I was like, okay, well, let's just see if we can make a sauce out of this hummus. And, you know, it turned out really good. I used a little bit of the pasta cooking water to bring everything together. And um, it's it's a great, it's, it's a really great, creamy, rich sauce, but minus all the, you know, extra calories from heavy cream sure. and Parmesan cheese and things like that. Right. So the- it's a
1: great healthier alternative. It's weightless and you get the protein punch from the hummus and you've yeah. got broccoli in there, but it's still creamy. I can't wait to try it. It's
3: it's really, it's, it's a great dish. I mean, And it's yeah. also so fast. You yes. just kind of boil the pasta and toss it all
1: together. Tegan Gerard has created a very lustworthy and delicious life and she is sharing it in her first cookbook release entitled The Half-Baked Harvest Cookbook. It is available now everywhere, so be sure to get your copy uh, because you will be as enamored as I. I just know it. Follow her on social for delicious inspiration as well at Half Baked Harvest and HB Harvest and the blog, of course, Half Baked Harvest harvest online tegan come back next time you're making uh, ice cream banana bread or something new (laughs) and fabulous in the mountains of colorado and share it will you please
3: yes of course and thank you
1: so much for having me it was my pleasure thank you for sharing your passion as the delicious conversation continues we do have great culinary thinkers on this show and it is my goal to make every day delicious stay tuned there's more fabulous food in your radio right after this Living our best life every day. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Correct posture ensures good health. It gives you confidence. It helps you look slimmer. Oh, we love that. However, despite all these benefits, most of us do slump. We're round-shouldered, we're hunched over, especially sitting in front of the computer, right? Well, celebrity fitness expert, Lisa Lynn, my dear friend, is here to guide you to better posture with her seven-day posture correction challenge. Yes, she is our resident fitness expert. And I love when she drops by. Lisa says that we can physically look 10 years younger and 10 pounds lighter. So I'm all in. Lisa Lynn is the founder of Lynn Fit Nutrition and the author of the award-winning The Metabolism Solution. She created the Wall Street Journal bestseller, The Metabolic Boosting Weight Loss System, and she regularly appears on national television and with Dr. Oz to share her workouts and insight. And I am always thrilled when she stops by because she... Is whipping us back into shape. Hi, Lise. Hello. <laughs> are you pedaling? I am
0: pedaling, and I'm making sure I'm sitting up straight.
1: Yes, of course, and I am too. It's funny every time I talk to you, I do put my shoulders back.
0: <laughs> it's a good thing. It they is. call me the posture Nazi, no pun intended, but um, because you kind of have to be that way with your body.
1: Yes, and with your, uh, with your fitness trainer too. Um, you are, you are my only friend that has a stationary bike as her office chair. And one of the things I love about you, uh, I also love that you mention it in the piece and I've watched the challenge and I've done the challenge and we're encouraging everyone to do a seven day posture correction challenge because psychologically you say... Good posture conveys confidence and leadership, and I agree, but it's also the best prevention for injuries. Okay, so we might not know that our posture isn't good, right? Correct. But there's good news, so tell us all about it.
0: Yeah, a lot of people don't realize, like, I just got done with a meeting for a guy to give me a quote on a floor of all things, and the first thing he says is, can I ask you a question? And I hear the shoulder boo-boo. My shoulder's starting to ache, (sighs) and this is the problem in my hip. And 99.9% of the time, regardless of what's ailing us, it's going to always go back to, um, as they say, human error in the computer world. In in this world, it's our posture's not right. We're slumping. Our shoulders are are rounded over. We're getting headaches because our shoulders are up to our ears. Mm. Our back hurts because our pelvis isn't neutral anymore. And almost anything that ails you can be fixed with better
1: posture. And it starts from the neck and shoulders down because it affects your joints, your knees, your hips, as you mentioned.
0: Everything. Everything. From headaches to digestion Hmm. to anything that ails you. The problem is we've come so far away of, remember back in the day, walk straight, set up. Nobody does that anymore. Now we're all slumped over our phones, and me included, looking and we don't realize we're supposed to be like our back. If you looked at yourself from the back from your head down straight to your spine, your hips, that's supposed to be a nice straight line. You're not supposed to be rounded over, slumping back, tilted to the right like, we, like a lot of people drive their cars. Sit up straight with your tailbone driving straight into your seat.
1: Okay, then that's what you mean by stack, right? Explain proper posture, please.
0: Correct. I have people stand to the side. And if you did this and you were looking at yourself in the mirror, and, and listeners should probably try this, where is your head? Is it out in front of your body or is it stacked perfectly over, let's call it the column, which is your head is in line with your chest. Your chest is in line with your hips or shoulders, so it goes one straight line. Most people have their heads out in front of their body three feet, allowing their traps to come up, or they're sitting slouched so their tailbone is tucked under. Think about your spinal column as a straight line the column and it's supposed to be straight. Everything's supposed to be stacked on the column accordingly.
1: For nearly 30 years now, Lisa has devoted her career to specializing in metabolic weight loss, performance, nutrition, and personal training. And you can get more great tips on posture and belly fat and toned arms and more. At lynnfit.com, L-Y-N-F-I-T.com. You can follow her on social at Lisa Lynn Fitness everywhere. It is the seven-day posture correction challenge, and only Lisa Lynn can show you how. Lisa, thank you as always. I'm sitting up straight.
0: a girl. I feel you know, good. I'm here if anybody needs any help.
1: Well, thank you, and we appreciate that. And we'll talk to you next month as we continue to uh, find our best selves. Thank you. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of gastronomic inspiration and delicious conversation. Because if food is your fetish, well, then I am supplying the tools every Sunday. I will leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of conversation for the hour. You heard me talk about the virtues of your slow cooker at the start of the show. And as the school year and the holiday season get underway, it's nice to have dinner ready, right? So here is a three ingredient wonder that will satisfy all of your sweet and spicy cravings. Your slow cooker does all the work for my three ingredient Hawaiian chicken. You will need four boneless skinless chicken breasts, a can of Dole crushed pineapple that's been drained, and two cups of either your signature homemade or store-bought barbecue sauce. All you do is combine all of the ingredients in the slow cooker and add a generous pinch of red pepper flakes. Those don't count as an ingredient. They're already in your spice cabinet. And then you cook on high heat, for three hours. And I like to serve uh, the chicken over jasmine or basmati rice. I love the sweet, spicy compliment. And it really is a quick fix. I'm all about delicious dinners, gathering friends and family together. And it doesn't have to be so elegant or advanced all the time. It just has to be delicious. I'll post this recipe on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where I share my daily dish at Chef Jamie Gwen. You can find podcasts of a show you might have missed because you loved listening to this one on iTunes under Food & Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. And I'm always serving up seconds at chefjamie.com. I thank you for listening. I'll meet you here next Sunday in your radio. I am Chef Jamie Gwen signing off, and I hope you continue to eat well.